Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The tea leaf reading begins ahead of England's Kiwi caper. Magical Munzee hammers Holland as Scotland show their stuff ahead of the World T20 qualifier. Afghanistan continues to leave their shambolic World Cup in the dust. India pull a Roy with Rohit. And where in the world is MS Dhoni? This is the Gorilla Cricket Podcast. Welcome to the Gorilla Cricket Podcast. We come to you on the afternoon of Thursday the 19th of September 2019. And a very happy 42nd birthday to former India Test opener and current mid-rank pundit Akash Chopra. Before we begin, we don't normally do multi-episode storylines, but an update to last week's episode of the regular GC Podcast. News that broke just before we started recording Sri Lanka's three T20 International and three ODI tour of Pakistan uh, that had been hanging in the balance will go ahead. Sri Lanka cricket uh, confirmed in a statement uh, that uh, that would be the case. Uh, great news uh, for all. Some slightly odd comments though that came out of uh, that came along with that statement. Uh, Major General Jair Kutulanga, national, head of the National Intelligence uh, Service of Sri Lanka, on behalf of the Secretary of Ministry of Defence of Sri Lanka, confirmed that no information has been received by the Ministry of Defence through any intelligence agency indicating a threat to the Sri Lanka national team or to the said tour. Uh, it also said that no information has been received by the High Commission of Sri Lanka in Pakistan indicating a, sh- a threat to the Sri Lanka national team or to the said tour, which given that uh, what we were talking about last week uh, was news out of uh, Sri Lanka um, made public by the Sri Lankan cricket board that they had received a credible threat is a little bit uh, confusing. But it's good news that uh, no such threat has been found and it's wonderful news that the tour will go ahead of the longest tour in uh, to take place in Pakistan in a decade. Uh, I am Nakalim Pandey, your host on the Gorilla Cricket Podcast, uh, which, and I am joined uh, by Tim Part, host of the Broken Wicket Podcast, and hopefully soon to be more regular Gorilla. Absolutely. Hello, Nakul. Yeah, how have you been uh, in this, uh, um, well, some people would call it an interregnum or a, or a sort of interval between tours, but it, it, you, 
Cricket, as it turns out, doesn't stop when England stop playing. No, apparently not. And I think people do uh, concentrate far too much on the, the big stuff that gets into the, the headlines uh, rather than the, uh, the more day-to-day county uh, uh, trundle that um, is to preserve cricket info rather than perhaps the, uh, the, the main media websites. Yeah, and um, we, we've got something of a mission statement on this show to be less Anglo-centric, and there's, there's plenty of news uh, all over this wide cricketing world of ours. We will, however, start with England. Some news that came out today. Tim Wigmore in The Telegraph uh, providing food for, uh, for thought and some, uh, some uh, gist to the tea-leaf reader's mill, if that's not mixing so many metaphors that I don't <laughs> even know where to begin. Uh, talk that uh, Johnny Bairstow's uh, long and angry sojourn as test uh, wicketkeeper uh, may be over for the time being. Talk that Joss Butler will be given uh, the gloves for that uh, test tour with Ben Folks as the second wicket-teeping option. And Johnny Bairstow asked to fight it out in the middle order as a batter alongside Ollie Pope, who is almost certain, we believe, uh, to be called up. Uh, by England. Uh, one of, if not both, of Dominic Sibley and Zach Crawley called up at, uh, to the top of the order, which possibly means that Denley will move down to three and route back to four. In the T20 squad, a couple of exciting uh, prospects with Tom Banton of Somerset and Sakib Mahmood of, uh, of Lancashire, uh, a hard-hitting top-order batsman who's been uh, compared in his authority at the crease to KP and uh, uh, Sakib Mahmood, a really exciting fast bowler. Also told that Sakib might make the test squad with Jimmy Anderson, Mark Wood and Ollie Stone all deemed to be not uh, fit enough. This is None of this is quite official yet. The squad will be released next week. But um, the England selectors are keeping everyone busy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's welcome experimentation. I suppose, um, think about you know the, the one-day game more broadly. Um, you know, there's always the danger of breaking up a winning team. You know, having just won the latest edition of Global Tournament, you, you might think it's a shame to start tinkering. But, you know, tinker you must. The game moves so quickly. As you said, cricket does not sleep, and uh, I do think it's a responsibility for the selectors to to think about the succession plans when people do uh, drop off the radar. Yeah, and there's still, uh, what are we talking, the next uh, World Cup, the next T20 World Cup is just over a year away. England have to start identifying what the team is for that. We understand that Owen Morgan will uh, stay on as white ball captain, probably until at least the end of the T20 hmm. World Cup. So the, uh, this cycle will continue. Of course, England uh, losing finalists in the last uh, men's T20 World Cup. Uh, some talk that um, Root and Stokes and a couple of others might be given a rest uh, for the T20 tour. Again, none of this is is confirmed as yet. So that would be some of the experimentation uh, that uh, that you talk about. But it, it does sound like there's um, that England are trying to pick what they think is their strongest test team going forward for that New Zealand tour. Um, I don't know what you think, but I'm personally, I'm glad that this isn't being treated as a um, as a series that can be taken lightly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially because New Zealand get precious few games as it is. I always think that uh, their, their schedule is criminally underloaded with quality test matches uh, and we talked recently about the uh, the way that New Zealanders treat cricket perhaps not, not actually the most popular sport out there especially what with the Rugby World Cup coming up um, but yeah I, I think it's the right way to go about it um, I, yeah, after a long hard particularly fraught ashes and, and indeed all summer you know I think it would be easy to rest players but I think it's important that especially with the new test championship in uh, in place that you you know try and win every game and I, I've said previously that these players will want to play you know Test careers are preciously short. Um, people might think people hang around for years, but you don't get that many tests. You know, your average test player really is is 
has come and gone in the blink of an eye. Yeah, seven tests is is a long run. It um, is, and a lot of, a lot of teams don't give um, players that much longer than that, if even that long as a first as a first chance. You've got to keep earning uh, your chance. Um, the New Zealand tests are not part of the World Test Championship. Alas, you know, kind of further to your point about the how easy it can mm. be sometimes for. Uh, balls to kind of exclude New Zealand a little bit but New Zealand are a really strong team in any conditions they're extremely well balanced so they're a team that can uh, make you look incredibly stupid absolutely. because they'll take it seriously they'll plan oh, yeah. properly they'll um, absolutely have plans for all your batters and you don't go up against Bolton, Southie and Wagner um, not to mention um, Williamson and Taylor at the, in oh, the, or Tom Latham at the moment well, Tom well. Latham's been in superb form all year mm. uh, you don't go up against this New Zealand team and BJ Watling uh, of course you don't go up against this New Zealand team uh, with uh, with an experimental lineup or a, or a lineup of players who aren't necessarily taking that seriously on the individual selections um, I don't think it's any, nothing earth shattering in terms of the, the test team I know we'd all thought that um, Ollie Pope's uh, re-emergence from injury and his his run of form would get him into the team. It does look as though he's uh, he and Bairstow may be fighting for one spot, uh, actually. And then um, Sibley and or Crawley at the top of the order. Uh, I think the wicketkeeper change, consensus here in Gorilla Towers, is that it's been long overdue. Yeah, I certainly think so. Um, I, I think I wouldn't be too disappointed if Besto had a bit of time out of the test side. I don't think he's done enough recently. Uh, obviously, as a fellow ginger, I am <laughs> distraught that the king of the gingers might not be in, a, in, um, in the test team anymore. But Ollie Pope, also a, a fan to pants, as they say down in Australia. Uh, so Very, very orange. He's not like <laughs> Ben Stokes is quite orange. Ollie Pope is very orange. He is fluorescent. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Besto, and we'll come to this in a minute, you know, statistically is one of the one of the best one-day batsmen in, in, in recent times. Some I've seen some talk bandied around being arguing that he's the best English one-day player of all time. I think I might be a bit over-egging the pudding slightly, but um, he's certainly got to do some work in tests to stay on the side. And uh, I, I welcome competition for places, absolutely. You know, I think it's very easy for teams to get very comfortable and presume they're going to be picked. Um, I think keeping everyone on their toes is a good idea. Uh, certainly, Johnny Bairstow appears to have, at uh, times during his test career, during his entire international career, has, has thrived on sort of a kind of internal siege mentality, a Johnny against the world kind of uh, kind of mentality. Um, saw it in his celebration when he came back into the mm, test team in Sri mm. Lanka, when he seemed to be, he didn't quite go Nasser Hussain uh, <laughs> swearing at the press box, but it was, it was pretty angry. Um, and it, he forced his way into, the, into that one-day team with... Um, with consistent performances whenever he got his limited chances and then uh, kind of made the made himself undroppable, as you say. Uh, he and Roy uh, have no opening partnership in history, has scored uh, runs more consistently and faster Absolutely. than uh, than Jason Roy and Johnny Bairstow. No, I, do, I think you just have to uh, disassociate this from, from the test performance. You know, it's very easy to say, uh, to look at, you say, oh well, you know, we've seen from Jason Roy that you know form doesn't necessarily translate into the test team, and I'm not sure Johnny's done enough to to warrant an undroppable tag that the likes of Root and Stokes have. No, indeed, and uh, you know, a lot of people said that that's why he wanted to keep the gloves for so long, um, <laughs> because if you are a wicketkeeper is a position that a bit like being a goalkeeper in football. Mm. Wicketkeeper is a position teams don't like to change very often. It's not a position they like to chop and change because it does, it can destabilise things. But um, I don't think there's any doubt that of those three, Bairstow is the weakest of key, um, keeper with uh, Joss Butler and Ben Folks, who is I think head and shoulders yeah, above the other two. Yeah. Um, 
unclear yet whether uh, whether folks will uh, be in the squad and if if from there in the eleven. But uh, Johnny Bairstow might just have a have to do what he did um, uh, a couple of times ago, a couple of years ago. Um, go back uh, and put together an sort of un- unassailable run of uh, of form in the county championship. Remember, he was averaging. He got himself back into the test team in between his first um, and second goes by averaging 100 in the county championship. And on form, he probably is one of England's best five batsmen, but he's not in form uh, at the moment. It hasn't been for a little while. Um, you talked about Jason Roy, and I talked about it in the uh, in the intro. So we're moving away from uh, from England to India, uh, who whose test series against uh, South Africa starts. Uh, fairly soon. The T20 series uh, finally got going yesterday, India winning uh, quite comfortably uh, in the end. The, uh, the seam bowlers, actually all of the bowlers really doing uh, doing their job to restrict uh, South Africa to a below par total, uh, of, uh, well a middling total, and then uh, Virat Kohli with the 72 not out, uh, enabling India to chase it down fairly comfortably, but uh, England tried to turn a world-class one-day opener into a test opener. It didn't work. India are going to try the same with Rohit Sharma. Um, undoubtedly uh, an all-time great uh, white ball opener. Possibly, very possibly, the greatest ever white ball opener. You know, we, we know about the uh, you know, the three double hundreds and he's got five hundreds in a row during this, during this World Cup. Um, phenomenal um, consistency and the ability to put big scores together. In, but... And in Test cricket, actually, I think a little bit unlike Jason Roy, Rohit has obviously Roy didn't have a chance to demonstrate that because it was his debut. But Rohit Sharma has put together a few useful contributions for India. He does have a few Test hundreds, or yes, against lower against mm. um, less strong opposition at home. But in in Australia, when India uh, went to Australia over the, the most recent Australian summer, uh, Rohit Sharma came into the team partway through the series. Uh, when Hanuma Vihari was moved up to open and put together some useful scores um, contributing to that series win in the middle order. Um, but I was looking at the, uh, the figures. Rohit Sharma's only ever av- opened three times, mm. in three innings in first-class cricket, all of them in the second innings when his team Mumbai needed quick runs. The last time was in 2012. Up against a good attack, not the strongest attack South Africa put out in recent times because of injuries and because of um, their inability to hold on to players because uh, of the chronic underfunding of, of most teams outside of India, Australia and England by the ICC um, and the ludicrously imbalanced structure of international cricket. You know, they've lost Juan Fear, they've lost Simon Harmer, they've lost Kyle Abbott, who yes. absolutely yes. kebabbed uh, Somerset the other day. Uh but they do have Werner Fielander, they do have Kaisa Rabada, they do have Lungi and Gidi. Uh, this is this is a huge ask for Rohit. This is this does seem as though you're asking a lot of someone. Well, yeah, but there's only one way to find out, isn't there? I don't think you should um, you know, English necessarily use Jason Roy as a reason not to do it. You know, it it all depends on the player. Um, I think you, you have to experiment. We've talked already about the experimentation that England are doing and why that's a good thing. I think. There's no necessarily good or bad time to experiment, I think. I mean, yes, it's a big ask against a what is still a pretty potent South Africa attack, um, but it's just the way of modern cricket. You know, it moves so quickly, you, you only get one chance. I think if anyone's going to be able to do it, it's probably Rohit. He's vastly experienced. We know he has the class. We know he has the ability. Um, and we've seen that there's other players uh, like him, you know, David Warner, who 
can carve out that opening position. Not everyone has to be an Alistair Cook at the top of the order. Um, if anyone's going to do it, it could be Rohit. I've been thinking a lot about this sort of the, the manufacturing openers and moving openers across across disciplines, all moving mm. middle order players up to the uh, to the top of the order. And you, you mentioned one of them, the two players who are always used as you know this can work are yeah. David Warner and Verinder Sevag. Yeah. Um, Sevag is an interesting case because he'd actually he had established himself in the middle order in one day in test cricket um, but had never opened in first class cricket before he in fact no he'd opened in one game which was a tour game the game before he opened in test cricket he was moved up because of the underperformance of others which um, is similar to Rohit I mean uh, India's opening partnership has not been very strong for the last um, last little while they've had since the from the beginning of England tour they've had six openers in as many different opening partnerships um Yorlinda Sevag was able to um, carve out an incredibly successful career. David Warner has prob- had probably the most experience of any of those guys going into um, going into making his debut at the top of the order. Uh, he hadn't opened very many times um, in uh, in first class career. He didn't have a very long uh, first class career. Full stop. Uh, um, but uh, only eleven times. But he was averaging. He'd averaged seventy five. In in those uh, in those eleven innings, three hundreds and five fifties. Um, that was a case of um, a player very much in form uh, being picked um, because of his form and because of his um, his obvious talent. I think for every for every Sevag and for every Warner, there are a lot more players who've tried to make what is a very difficult transition and not made it uh, and. Unlike England, I mean, actually, no. Not, I, mean, I was going to say, unlike England, there aren't. It's not as though there aren't other options. But you know, England did have other options. They had mm. the option of Dominic Sibley. They had the option of, of of Zach Crawley. And India do have the option of uh, a guy Ankit Esvaran, who's been uh, scoring heavily in domestic cricket uh, in both in the Ranji Trophy and uh, for India A. At the top of the order is a kind of old school. Not old school opener, but he's a very solid player. He's raised in that Mumbai batting tradition of bat, 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 and bat some more. Yeah. The, um, sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, I think um, I think it deserves it. I think you know, yes, India do have options, and I think perhaps it, potentially in the past, you know, they they tend to do very conservative selection, whereas England often tend to, um, or certainly in the past, have gone off the rails and gone wild, crazy ideas. And we know that Ed Smith is the great. The great, well, not a tinkerer, but he likes a likes a, a left field idea. Um, I don't really see this as a left field idea necessarily. I just think, uh, you know, when you've got someone of the class of Rohit who's available and might be able to do it, you owe it to yourself to find out whether he can. It's a fair point, and a lot of people have made the point that this might only be a temporary thing or a stopgap or a sort of short term audition because um, the guy earmarked as India's long term opener, like Prithvi Shaw, mm. uh, is currently serving a a, a ban for. Uh, a doping van, basically, naughty, naughty. for failing to uh, to fully read the ingredients of some cough <laughs> medicine. Um, he he is a very young man. He's only like he's eighteen or nineteen years old, and has in his one test match scored a hundred. You can't tell anything from that, but he is um, a player of of, of class and a uh, and a player who looks to be the long term future. And you know, ho- India will be hoping that he is another. Um, Probably not very in the same argument in terms of his aggression, but in terms of his uh, longevity, uh, rather than another Hasib Hamid. <laughs> Quite. Uh, moving away from uh, the from uh, Test cricket, moving uh, to 
uh, nations who in, in recent times we might have called uh, lesser nations, but uh, no longer and certainly not on uh, a show with, uh, with the inclusive global outlook uh, of this show. Um, phenomenal performance uh, from uh, Scotland uh, the other day, and in particular, this man. It's George Muncie, it's George Muncie. He's not the ruler of Holy that's someone else. Yeah, phenomenal performance from Scotland in against the Netherlands in the opening game of that T20 Tri Series, which is going on in Malahide at uh, at the moment. Uh, Ireland, of course, being the other nation, uh, a 200-run opening stand, only the third time that's been done in T20 international history as Scotland racked up uh, 252 for three. George Muncy, 127 not out of 56 balls, uh, five fours and 14 sixes, uh, putting himself up in. Uh, the uh, the top echelon both in terms of uh, fastest uh, hundreds and fift- uh, fastest hundreds and uh, also uh, of uh, of most sixes. Uh, I think he was only second on that list to Hazratullah Zazai, uh, who uh, dem- who uh, demolished Ireland a, f- uh, a few months ago in Dera Dun, uh, with Kyle Kurtzer scoring 89 at uh, the other end. Uh, Scotland have shown what they can do in in one international cricket in the last year or so. That that mm. win against England, beating England very much at their own game, uh, with uh, Callum McLeod uh, doing doing the, the bulk of the run scoring uh, on on that occasion, um, and coming within a hair's breadth or a, or a dodgy LBW decision <laughs> rather of of making the fifty over uh, World Cup. But the the T Twenty Global Qualifier is coming up. Uh, later this year and it's really hard not to see Scotland as fir- as strong favourites yeah absolutely I mean just to talk about Muncie's innings for a minute it was amazing well, what most impressed me was that um, uh, as crazy as it sounds it, f- to, to start with actually had to be quite watchful because Carl Kurtz was uh, going off at the other end after four overs Kurtz had uh, 32 off 16 and Muncie only had four runs off eight balls so and obviously the pressure there might have been to think oh well my partner's blazing away you know I you know, force yourself into perhaps playing some rash shots and shots you you shouldn't really uh, play because you feel under pressure to keep up the scoring rate. But well, he he played those shots and then the fifth over he finally cut loose and from then eventually he kept pace with Colcutts for a while. Then finally, obviously outstripped him. But uh, but yeah, I think you know I think we'll see more of this kind of innings in future as players um, from you know what. Let's call them the tier two nations, for want of a better word. Um, uh, the they, excluded nations. The excluded, yes, the uh, uh, the forgotten nations. Um, as they get hello, Chris Dealey, if you're listening, <laughs> who wrote a book called Forgotten Nations very recently. As uh, as they get more experience, I mean, what we're seeing now is that we're getting players coming uh, into the international game whose first experience was of T20 cricket. So uh, you know, soon, you're, I suppose. T20 event, what, 2004, 5-ish? So you're getting... 2003. 2003. So you're getting players who are, you know, just coming into adulthood now, who know nothing else other than, you know, being weaned on T20 and, you know, longer forms at the same time. So I think uh, this is, you know, perhaps an indication of what we might see in the future. It may well be um, that... uh, It may well be that we, we see as, you know, as teams try to hit more sixes and specifically practice hitting sixes um that sort of thing uh, will become more more common um 
and in particular, once these guys get to get to build their skills, I mean, the the cancellation of the Euro T20 Slam has rather postponed this a little bit. Mm. But players from Scotland, players from Ireland, players from the Netherlands will start to become uh, in demand for T20 Absolutely. leagues around the world, Absolutely. and that will. Uh, for the for the ones who are good enough, and I think George Munsey is good enough, mm. uh, that will supercharge their skills and their development, and they'll be able to take that back uh, to their national setups and and increase the rate of development that is already really strong. Scotland has a really strong club scene. Mm. Uh, and George Munsey has a little bit of previous to this. He um, was. Um, absolutely devastating in a game for Derbyshire seconds earlier this year uh, also scored I think he's got a double hundred for uh, for Derbyshire seconds earlier this year in uh, a uh, in a t20 game um, so he's you know he'd given notice of this kind of thing before uh, looking ahead to the to the, uh, the global qualifier in the UAE uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what this Scotland team can do. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you're right in saying they are pretty much in pole position. I mean, yeah, having, especially with the heartbreak of what happened last time they tried to qualify for the tournament, driving them on, I think you know they're a very dangerous team at the moment. Yeah, so they're in a group with the Netherlands, Papua New Guinea, Namibia, Singapore, Kenya, and Bermuda. Now things move fast at that level of cricket, mm, and things change do, yeah. very, very quickly. We saw during the, uh, the 50 over World Cup qualifier that literally everyone beat everyone, and yeah, there's exactly, yeah. there's a few different cycles in which that's true. A few different combinations that you can put together where that's uh, the case. Uh, mm. In the other group, we've got UAE, Ireland, Oman, Hong Kong, uh, who've been hit by a number of mm. player withdrawals, uh, including. Uh, Anshuman Rath and uh, who's um, quit Hong Kong cricket to become a, a domestic player in India um, where his where his family are from and uh, hopes and play in the Ranji Trophy uh, also Bawar Hayat uh, who is uh, their sort of their next best player and he's taken a couple of players with him uh, Canada uh, who are on the up and up Jersey and Nigeria who uh, got mm. uh, who got Zimbabwe's uh, slot uh, with the uh, with six teams qualifying uh, for the the first round, as it were, of the well, not the first round, as it were, the first round of uh, the, the full tournament, which takes place in uh, Australia and New Zealand, uh, just Australia, in fact, uh, Brisbane, Sydney, uh, Melbourne, Hobart, Geelong, uh, Adelaide, and Perth uh, next year, uh, and going into groups with Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. I wouldn't be at all surprised if we saw Scotland in the uh, in the main draw of the Super 12s. Absolutely. And I'm sure they can give plenty of teams a good run for their money. I don't think they'd be whipping boys by any means at all. No, certainly. You know, looking ahead, um, one of those groups is Pakistan, Australia, New Zealand, and the West Indies with two of the qualifiers. And then India, England, South Africa, and Afghanistan with two of the qualifiers. I think that group one looks pretty open. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean... The at that level, as well as you know the qualifiers, you say anyone can beat anyone, and yeah, you know, we saw this in in the World Cup recently, and I I, I think you know, anyone can win on their day, and you know we we see lots of sides improving rapidly. You know um, the West Indies are getting better, um, and you know, hopefully we'll see you know, teams like Zimbabwe emerge once again, rising from the ashes. Yeah, um, I mean Zimbabwe put together some creditable performances in that mm. uh, in that tri series against Afghanistan and Bangladesh. Didn't make the final. Uh, Afghanistan and Bangladesh are at a at a level above Zimbabwe, and obviously Zimbabwe aren't able to 
take part in ICC tournaments at the moment. Mm. Um, but they were able to put together a pretty strong-looking team, a very experienced-looking team. It's the next generation that is worrying for uh, for Zimbabwe with the, with the loss of funding. Mm. Um, it, it's going to be very difficult for uh, for Zimbabwe to go beyond this generation. That's something we, we sometimes see at that level of, of cricket. We've seen it a little bit, actually, with, with Scotland. They, uh, they lost Preston Momsen, their, uh, their captain, who had to retire after uh, they didn't make the 50-over World Cup. Um, Peter Boren, similarly, the, mm. the erstwhile captain uh, of the Netherlands. But uh, while those two nations have the structures in place that they can, uh, that they can replace players uh, of that class, and they have the funding, that's not currently the case for Zimbabwe. Um, we hope that all is sorted there in time for, uh, for that next generation of players not to be lost to... Not so necessarily to the game, because they, good players will find opportunities wherever they can in in, in this day and age. But uh, but certainly to uh, to Zimbabwean uh, cricket. Uh, you're talking about teams making a uh, a very quick, um, rapid improvement, and uh, we will uh, talk about one of those in a second. But uh, just uh, to uh, to let you know about how you can uh, support the show and also get this podcast before anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Yep, you owe us all right. You think this alternative cricket commentary stuff comes cheap? Well, we need some dollar bills to help pay our bills. So please, go to patreon.com slash cricket and sign up to make a regular monthly donation. You know there is literally nothing like Gorilla Cricket's coverage, so don't be tight. Dip into your virtual pocket and throw some cash our way. See, Rihanna knows. Patreon.com slash Gorilla Cricket. That's right. You can get this and every episode of the Gorilla Cricket podcast and our special uh, county podcast, Gorillasha, before anybody else by signing up at patreon.com forward slash Gorilla Cricket. There's a couple of Gorillasha specials out there for you to listen to at the moment. Tony Bishop talking to Angus Fraser and Mike Gatting uh, about uh, all-time Middlesex England 11s and about uh, the current fortunes of uh, the team that play up at St. John's Wood. Uh, we talked just before that little uh, interlude about teams making uh, rapid progress and uh, possibly no team has made more sustained rapid progress over the last decade than Afghanistan. Mm. Uh, but things look very dicey for them after the World Cup. I was quite worried about where they went long term with, uh, with a, a couple of players um, who had been stalwarts uh, for uh, for Afghanistan, most notably Mohammad Shahzad, uh, pushed out of the team uh, for disciplinary reasons. Uh, Phil Simmons leaving, uh, threatening to spill the beans. Those beans as yet remain unspilled. Perhaps he's waiting uh, for that, uh, that West Indies contract uh, to be signed bef- and uh, him to be in that job before he uh, tells all of what went on during that. Uh, that campaign where Afghanistan's fielding standards completely disintegrated. Uh, they went through multiple different opening partnerships uh, with the bat and uh, seemed uh, very heavily reliant on on just a few players uh, playing sort of individual lone hands. But uh, since then, Rashid Khan has taken over as captain in all formats, uh, replacing the somewhat unlucky Rahmat Shah, who probably is the only player to be sacked as test captain without having captain to test <laughs> uh, but we talked about we've talked about on the show before their very impressive test win against Bangladesh in Bangladesh and they continue to perform impressively in this current tri-series with uh, Zimbabwe and Afghanistan uh, sorry and uh, and with Bangladesh 
um, massively impressive performances from Mohamed Nabi and uh, from uh, Najib Buller. There was that ridiculous uh, s- uh, display of hitting against Zimbabwe, but where between the two of them they hit eight sixes in eight balls, and uh, then Mohamed Nabi uh, against uh, against Bangladesh uh, scored 84. Uh, not out, and uh, Mujib came to the party after a rather chastening final game uh, for Middlesex in the in the T20 uh, blast. 4-15 uh, for Mujib. Afghanistan are back. Absolutely. I think the World Cup, we shouldn't base too much on the World Cup. I mean, this is exactly why teams like them need to be playing in the tournament. Why, you know, as we say, and get your T-shirt now, we need a bigger World Cup. Teams only get good at managing their way through these tournaments, and I mean fielding standards, I mean logistics of getting around the place, I mean you know players feeling relaxed, safe, and uh, and able to concentrate on the cricket by letting these teams experience a tournament over and over. I mean, you know, it's so intense a global tournament. You're playing you know, every six, five, six days or so. Afghanistan at one point played two games in three days. Exactly, which is you know, you know, terrible scheduling for on the part of the ICC. But what do you expect um, when you know they count out to India to not let them you know, to let them have a rest until mm-hmm. the Africa play three? You're shocking. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, as players, you you want to be able to concentrate on your cricket and I'm sure that you know, they try very hard but it can't be been easy to uh, to run the logistics of a tournament in that way for a team that's not used to doing it. So I think what we're starting to see is you know they're they're getting better you know and stepping out of that hot house of the World Cup chance to refresh and think right turn over a new leaf and they really did produce the goods against Bangladesh. Yeah they certainly did the final of that uh, of that tournament uh, against uh, Bangladesh. It should be. It's uh, Afghanistan. Uh, Bangladesh will be uh, on uh, on the twenty fourth of uh, September. This is uh, possibly jumping ahead uh, a little bit. Well, it was Zimbabwe uh, three uh, losses from three? It seems pretty certain now that those two will contest uh, the final in uh, in Dhaka on Tuesday. Um, so Rashid Khan's uh, golden start to his captaincy career. Uh, continues. Um, hopefully, this won't be a case of, you know, uh, burning bright but short. No, uh, I hope not. I think you know, Rashid Garden is one of the stars of international cricket. G- great um, you know, advert for Afghanistani cricket, and uh, someone you want to succeed. And very glad he is doing so. Um, and I hope it's, it proves to be the right decision to give him the captaincy for all three formats. Um, again, I, I think if anyone could do it, he can. Yep, if anyone can, Rashid Khan, we've said that before, and he keeps on delivering. Um, the final point, we'll, we'll circle back to something we mentioned uh, in the intro. Um, India left out MS Dhoni from their T20 squad against South Africa, and nobody seems to quite know what he's doing or, or where he is. Um, he seems to have been allowed to sort of pass from the limelight as much as MS Dhoni ever hmm. passes from the limelight, but inevitably... Virat Kohli was asked about him in the press conference. Ravi Shastri has been asked about him in press conferences. All the articles are uh, about the non-selection of MS Dhoni and the fact that there was never any reasoning given by the by the selection panel as to him being left out. Nobody seems to be saying this is the end, but nobody can confirm that it isn't. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the end, to be honest. I mean, uh, if, from MS Dhoni's point of view, you know, he's achieved 
pretty much everything there is to achieve in the game. Um, and I, I just hope, to, to, for his sake, that you know it's always better to go out too soon than too late. And I do increasingly fear that if he plays on, it will become too late quite quickly. Some people have been saying for a little while that it's already too late. Certainly mm. in in one day international cricket, where he was all right in the World Cup, he didn't he didn't Im, he didn't disgrace himself as some had feared he might, and he was valuable to India um, with his with his tactical mind, mm. um, with his ability to um, to set the fields close up when Kohli uh, moves himself out to, to long on later in the innings where Kohli has to field because he's one of India's best fielders. Mm. Difficult to set a field from long on, so he delegates a lot to MS Dhoni. Absolutely. Um, and Dhoni was useful at times with the with the bat and certainly his glove work is better than ever. And in T20 cricket, the premium on, on, on glove work up to the stumps can, may uh, had many thinking, and I was one of them, that mm. he might be might be kept on um, just kind of moving further and further down the order uh, but with uh, with with Arisha Punt seem to be seemingly given uh, a long rope and uh, the likes of Sanju Samson the like of, likes of Ashan Kishan who we've seen perform in the IPL mm. the longer that MS Dhoni doesn't get picked in a squad the harder it is to see him coming back exactly I think that um probably sooner rather than later you have to move on from him anyway and it doesn't do the players coming in uh, any favours if there's this uncertainty about it whatever the decision is whether it's keep him or, or or say thank you very much MS you've been great but time to move on it has to be clean definitive and final and uh, obviously that's not currently the case and it needs to be sorted out it certainly does um, it it's hard to see MS Dhoni allowing anyone else to make the decision for him exactly um, but maybe he, but what's he, if he is retiring, what's he waiting for? I don't know. It's uh, part of obviously you know we talked about the jamboree of cricket. You know, where it's very hard to. It's not really a season anymore. It's just all round the calendar. What's the natural point? I mean, I think if India had won the World Cup, that would have been it. Uh, maybe he's waiting for a high note to go out on, but not sure what the next high note opportunity is. Well, the high note opportunity is the T Twenty World Cup, but that's over a year away. Yeah, you know, maybe he's trying to. D- Maybe he's trying to wait until that this tour is over so as not to distract um, attention from that tour, um, which would be a different way to how he retired from Test cricket when he retired mid-series, um, both as captain and as a and as a player from uh, from Test cricket. It's the the, but you're right. The longer this goes on without an announcement, mm, doesn't help. The anyone. the weirder it's going to be. Exactly. Both for Mastoni for the the rest of that Indian setup, which is um, which has put together a new coaching staff mm-hmm. below Ravi Shastri, they are trying to uh, to kind of build for the next cycle, um, as as evidenced by the fact, I guess, that Dhoni isn't in the team, and by the selection uh, of the likes of, Sh- of someone like Shubman Gill in the Test mm, squad. Absolutely, you know, a, a very young, talented player, very much, but um, you know, one of whom much is expected in the long term uh, with the change of. Uh, of approach to how they put together the T20 bowling attack with uh, Washington Sundar, Krunal mm. Pandya, and Ravindra Jadeja um, all all selected as sort of finger spin bowlers who can all bat. Um, certainly in Jadeja's, actually in all of their cases, Washington and Krunal and and, uh, and Jadeja are all very capable. Rather than the uh, the specialist wrist spinners in uh, Kuldeep and Chahel, uh, who've been so good for India for in in recent times, but uh, neither of whom can bat. Um, it does seem like India have a fairly clear direction 
in everything apart from whether MS Dhoni is going to be part of it. Exactly. Think it from Dhoni's point of view. I mean, I, I imagine he, he's not short of a bob or two. But given his age, that, that window of post-international cricket, but still of being high value to uh, the various franchises around the world in terms of your captaincy ability and in terms of your, your late order hitting or finishing ability. And your marketability. And your marketability. He's got quite a narrow window to cash in on that. You've got the big bash starting up not too far in the future. Um, you know, I wouldn't have been at all surprised if he said, right, that's me done after the World Cup and, uh, and jump on the bandwagon for a while, raking a few millions of, of uh, Aussie dollars, whatever the currency is elsewhere in the world, and, 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 and be done with it. Um, but he's running out of time. Not so, it's not something Indian players do a lot. Most of them, mm. I mean, they're not... Indian players don't tend to give no objection. Indi- the BCCI mm. don't give no objection certificates, but that's for currently contracted players. Exactly, and uh, it wouldn't be a good look not to have a bit of grace and give that to uh, one of the architects of your success over the past 10, 15 years. Yeah, for sure. It would look incredibly classless, but mm. then we've seen balls be incredibly <laughs> classless uh, to players. Indeed. Um, well, not many have achieved more than MS Dhoni, but certainly... Never uh, knowingly uh, underclassed. Yeah, quite. I, You know... The obvious parallel is how the West Indies treated Shivnir and Chandra Paul. Right, exactly. Um, hopefully, the Indian board will not be quite so so crass. Um, if if they want him to go, let's hope that this is all uh, done in a way that preserves the dignity of all parties. But given the BCCI's uh, record and given the fact that um, dignity has been in short supply at the BCCI at all levels, indeed, uh, don't hold your breath. Yeah. Uh, well, that brings us to another. Uh, the end of another episode of the Gorilla Cricket Podcast, this little whistle-stop tour of uh, the world uh, of uh, cricket. Uh, Gorilla Show will continue, as will the Gorilla Cricket Podcast, uh, through the uh, through the next few weeks. We will be back every single week uh, in, uh, here on the Gorilla Cricket Podcast, and Tony will be back with uh, Gorilla Show as well. Thank you to Tim uh, for, uh, for accompanying me on this tour. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you to regular producer John Stone. Remember, you can get the podcast on Patreon before everybody else uh, gets it, and uh, those other people uh, will ha- have to wait uh, for it to come out on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, and Podbean. But uh, if you uh, are one of those who listens on those platforms, in particular iTunes, uh, give us a five-star rating, leave us a review, and uh, please share the podcast uh, with all and sundry. Uh, until we uh, convene again, bye-bye. Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.